Welcome to the Linwood Covenant Church Podcast, presented by Pastors Dave Osterkamp, Rachel Hart, and Chris Kelly. Join us each week as we dive into the timeless wisdom of Scripture, exploring Jesus' message of love, hope, and faith that unites us all. So sit back, relax, and let's get into this week's service. We're in a series uh, that we are entitling Follow Me, and uh, in September we talked about what it means to follow Jesus, and now we're starting to look at some different uh, people that, in the Bible uh, that were followers of Jesus and what we can learn from their life and example. So thanks to Pastor Chris for a great sermon last week about Barnabas, um, and today um, we're going to read a story that includes Aquila and Priscilla, and so we're going to read from Acts 18. 1 to 4, and then 18 to 28. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And then jumping down to verse 18... Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centurae because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. And then he sent sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from the place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man and with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only of John the Baptist, the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him And when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. The word of the Lord. God. I read a book uh, some time ago. Um, The book was on uh, the subject of of fascination. It uh, It was quite intriguing. I guess you could say um, that I'm fascinated with the word fascination. It's something that kind of captured my attention, which is what fascination does. Fascination is, is to, to capture someone's complete interest and attention. That's the, that's the definition. Everybody is fascinating at, at some level. I have a friend who does a lot of house projects for me, and, and here I have a, a seven-eighths uh, wrench. And I'll give my friend this wrench, and he will be fascinating. There's a lot of you that, in this room that, that are the same, where 
where I can watch you take this wrench and you start working on stuff and, and it just it just flows. It looks so easy. And so I'll tell my friend, like, hey, give me that. I can do that. That's 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 easy. And then and then I'll start working with the wrench and he'll look back and you can just see him fidgeting and like just antsy. Because it's not fascinating to see me with one of these in my hand trying to fix something. It's the it's the opposite of fascinating. When you look up an antonym, the opposite of fascinating, what words do you think might come? Any ideas? Yeah. Boring. Uh, Somebody said frustrating. That's the word. That's the word I thought, which probably does work. But the 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 definition that I saw, or the antonyms that I saw, were repulsion. (laughs) Pretty strong, right? Repulsion or offensiveness or disagreeableness or distastefulness. I'm like, wow, okay, so, so to see my friend use a wrench is fascinating. To see me use a wrench is repulsive, and, and it kind of is, because pretty soon we're both like, what are we doing? Like, here, take this, you do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back. I have uh, another friend uh, named, uh, named Shalice who uh, was in my youth group way back in the day, and she was always painting, always drawing, and and when, just, when she has that little that pencil or whatever, that piece of uh, a brush in her hand, it's it's fascinating what she can do. She's now made a, a professional career out of it. Recently, she just quit her job, went full-time as an artist. What she landed on was scratch boards. you know what a scratch board is? I, don't, I just seen it. It's like this black board. Well, I looked it up, and it's like a small layer of clay covered with like black ink. And then you scratch it off, and you can create stuff, like if you're good at it or fascinating, like this. Here's a picture of her work with a, with a scratch board. Now... To me, when she does this, that's fascinating. I had a scratch board and a knife in my hand. It would not turn out to be like this. Here's another work, a piece of her artwork. And how do you just make all that detail with a little knife and a scratch board? I don't know. Here's the, we could look at these all day. Here's, here's one of her recent ones in progress. And then another shot of it even closer up. You can see the, the outline of what's about to be turned into a ram. And you see all the details she includes. Go back to that previous one. But you have that, that blank canvas, and that's, that's what it becomes. It's fascinating. It's fascinating that somebody can do that. My premise today is that all of God's children, all sons and daughters of God, which is all of you out there, you are called and gifted by God. And there's things that are inside of you that God has gifted you and wants to call out of you, that are, that are fascinating, that people see and it looks like that ram on a scratch board. Like, wow, how do, you, how do you do that? Some of those gifts can be more behind the scenes. Some can be more up front. But whatever they are, whether it's, it's working with a wrench or a paintbrush or a needle or your, your, your giftedness with your voice or your skills, whatever, whatever it is, when people see you do it, you make it look easy, and it simply isn't. When you operate in the area of where you are called and gifted by God, you are fascinating. Today we're going to see what we can learn from Aquila and Priscilla as they followed Jesus. We know limited about all the Bible characters, even Peter, Paul, like all of them. We, we know some things, we get glimpses. Barnabas we uh, talked about last week, and there's a fair amount of verses, but we don't know a lot. Why? Because the Bible is not about Aquila or Priscilla or Peter or Paul or Barnabas. It's about Jesus. It's about the story of God. It's about highlighting who God is. But it's important and it's good to see little glimpses of these men and women who are followers of Jesus, just like I am and you are, 
and to learn what we can from them. And so we turn to Acts chapter 18, verses 1. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it'll be back on your screen. But in Acts 18, 1 through 4, we learn an awful lot, really, about, about this couple. So Paul had left Athens in Greece, and he went to Corinth, which is in southern Greece. And there he met a Jew named Aquila. So we know they're a Jewish couple. They're, they're, that's their national, they're, 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 they're Jewish people. A native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So Aquila is the husband, Priscilla is the wife. They had recently come to Corinth from Italy. We can kind of picture the country with the boot. That's Italy and Rome. And then they, they, uh, they left Rome because Claudius, the emperor of Rome, had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. So they've gone through some traumatic things. Because they're Jewish, they got kicked out of their place. It's like, you know, being told, well, you got you got three weeks to move to Vancouver. You're out of here. And so they, they had to do that. They left, they left Rome and they went to, to southern Greece, to Corinth, another pretty big and bustling city. And so Paul went to see them. I can imagine, I'm guessing here, but he wanted to see how they're doing. It's a pretty traumatic experience to leave your, the city you are living in and you're forced to go leave some, to live somewhere else. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, so they shared a common skill. They both could use their hands and make tents, small dwellings for people to live in um, on the road. And so they, they shared that. You know, anytime you share a, a hobby or a passion in common, you, you have a, a common language, a common, uh, just a commonality. And he said every Sabbath, so he stayed there and worked with them. So they worked together. He got to know them. And every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So you learn, you learn all of that right there. And, and you see in this passage, as, you, as we go into the last part of Acts 18, that here, right here, Aquila is mentioned first. It's normal. It's a pattern that is still followed today. Aquila, who was a Jew, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And we still follow, generally follow, that husbands are mentioned before wives. You ever wonder why? Why? Why is that? It's a, it's a good question. I haven't done a deep dive into that, uh, but really, I would suggest ever since the fall in Genesis three, which we're going to be talking about on Wednesday night, if you want to join us, six thirty to seven thirty, um, it's a pattern that's been followed. It's been a long history of patriarchy, which is a way of organizing people marked by the supremacy of the father in the family. Now, somebody has to be first and second. There's a lot we can discuss. We're also going to talk about that in Sunday school, right after church, 11 to 12. That's, that's the rest of my, uh, uh, my advertisements. But from 11 to noon, we'll, we'll be back there talking more about this and Romans 16 and other things. But, uh, but traditionally, the husband is mentioned and then the wife. And that's what happens here. Aquila, whose wife is Priscilla. Now, as you look in chapter 18, verse 18 you start to see something different. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So as you read the Bible, you're like, huh, why the change? What's, what's, what's happening here? And as you continue through this, it continues to be that. In verse 19, Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. They arrived at Ephesus and Paul left them. So they went to Ephesus, which is in western Turkey. So it's a geography lesson this morning. We've been to Italy, we've been to Greece, and now we're into, into western Turkey. And, and, and Priscilla and Aquila were left there in Ephesus, and Paul went 
went sailing on. But you continue to see Priscilla's name mentioned first. And then we're introduced to Apollos. Now, Apollos is a learned man. And we're, okay, there we are, verse 24. I didn't bring my readers up here this morning, so everything's a little small. He's a native of Alexandria, which is Egypt. Now we've been to Egypt. And, and, and he came to Ephesus, and he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor. And he taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. So you have all of these kind of intimidating characteristics. A learned man, Alexandria was a very educated community to come from. He spoke with great fervor. He was very gifted with, with, his, with his tongue and his speech. And he spoke accurately, but he knew only the baptism of John. So he was on track, but he knew a limited amount. And there was so much more for him to learn. And who was the one to teach him? Well, it seems to be Priscilla. She was the one that was going to teach him. And we continue to see throughout the, the story of Priscilla and Aquila that whenever there's ministry or there's, there's Aquila and Priscilla are in ministry, we see Priscilla's name listed first. Is that important or not? I would say yes. Yes, yes it is. Chris talked last week about Barnabas, the encourager. In Acts chapter 9, Barnabas has the courage, the hope, the optimism, and the faith and the power of God to befriend Paul. Paul, whose name at that time was Saul, had been persecuting and even killing Christians. And Barnabas, the optimist and the one who said, you know, my God's big enough to actually change this man's life. And I think just maybe he did, as Chris told us so well last week, he befriended Saul and said, I want to hear your story. And then he brought Saul to the other people and said, this guy is different. He's changed. He's one of us now. And they went about all doing ministry. In Acts 11 to 13, when you, hear, when you read Acts 11 to 13, it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, in that order. And then you get to Acts 13, and Paul starts to take the lead. In first, there's a confrontation with a sorcerer. Sounds crazy, right? You can read about it in Acts 13. Paul takes the lead and, and handles that confrontation. And then Paul preaches a, a powerful sermon that's, that's written down in Acts 13. And now, all of a sudden, it flips. Paul and Barnabas. Chris talked about, like, what, what kind of man is it to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him take over now. Now it's his time to, to really use his calling and his giftedness because he's fascinating. He's got a calling and a giftedness that's time to go and do your thing, Paul. And there's a couple other times where it's flipped, if you read through Acts. A couple other times Barnabas comes first in Paul, but mostly it's, it's, uh, it's Paul and Barnabas. In the Bible, when you read a list, the list is important. It always is, and the order is important. Things aren't listed in just willy-nilly. You think about Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is listed. What kind of fruit comes out of people who follow Jesus? Well, it's no accident that the first one is love. Love, joy. That's the list. The list is, is important. Love is what Jesus said, all my followers will be known by love. And so it says something about the calling and giftedness of Priscilla that she is listed first whenever they're in a ministry context. And when she runs into Apollo, 
And you wonder how this went down, because in the ancient culture, there was lots of different cultures and ministries, and in Sunday school, we'll talk about Ephesus. It had a very unique culture going on, we know a fair amount about, uh, but, but here comes a learned man who was, had a thorough knowledge of the scripture, had been instructed in the way of the Lord, spoke with great fervor, and taught about Jesus accurately, but he didn't quite know the full picture of the story. And Paul's friend Priscilla, she came and she told him the full account of the good news. And Apollo then went and reasoned well with people to show them that Jesus is the Messiah. All God's children, all sons and daughters are called and gifted by God. Paul had discovered this He discovered that the Gentiles are called and gifted by God. He discovered women are called and gifted by God. He discovered it didn't matter if you're slave or free. You are called and gifted and invited to the table by God. And God has gifted you in ways that are fascinating. I think it would have been quite fascinating to sit down with Priscilla in a room like this and to have her teach and preach God's word. Galatians 3, 26 to 28, Paul ends up writing this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Sometimes culture tries to put boundaries on where you or how you can be called and gifted. Priscilla is a shining example as you read her story, and she's mentioned a few other times throughout Scripture that we'll talk about in, in Sunday school, but she is in a shining example that, that in Jesus, those boundaries are shattered. So the question I want to leave with you this morning is, what about you? How are you called and gifted? Some of you know, a lot of us know different callings and giftedness, but there might be some callings and giftedness that we think we might have, but we've been a little shy to pursue, maybe because the culture kind of shines... Sh- frowns on it and says, I don't know if that's, if that's really for you. Maybe it's, it's just something you really haven't done before, but you think you could do, but you haven't had the courage to try. I want to I encourage you to, uh, to try that, to pray about God. I, maybe, maybe I'm 60 years old or 70 years old, and I, I kind of know how I'm called and gifted, but I'm also like kind of playing it safe. Is there, is there a next step for me? Is there something more for me that you would, you would like to try. Priscilla definitely wasn't playing it safe for her to, to sit down with Apollos from Alexandria and say, here, Apollos, let me show you what's up. Let me tell you, show you who Jesus really, really is. So you're gifted, maybe with the wrench, maybe with the paintbrush, maybe in ways that you really haven't even discovered yet. But I want to encourage you to keep pushing into that giftedness. I get to watch a lot of you do a lot of different ministry. And I could go through here and name to a lot of you, this is how you're fascinating. This is how you're fascinating. This is how you're fascinating, at least in the ways that I've discovered it. Are you a teacher? Has God called you to preach? Are you a leader? So grateful that we've had, the, in the last few years, our first female church chairs. So, so good, because we need women in that seat as well as men. How do you know where you are called and gifted? Well, I'm just going to give you three things as we close. How do you know where you are called and gifted? This question, if you could spend a day doing anything you wanted, what would you do? Sleep doesn't count. You can't say that. You can't say that. We, that's, we're all called and gifted to sleep, hopefully. But, uh, but if you could spend a day doing anything you wanted, what would you do? 
when you are doing tasks, when you're doing things, which things you are doing and it's just fun. It's just easy. It just flows out of you. Well, that's, that's where you're called and gifted. What do other people compliment you for? What are other people fascinated about with you? If no one said anything, ask them. As Chris talked about last week, sometimes we're, we're kind of tight-lipped with encouragement. A lot of you, I know, aren't, and so many of you have encouraged me, but, but sometimes we can see something and we're fascinated. We're like, well, that's fascinating, but then we don't say anything. <laughs> like, well, let's name that. Let's be a church that names that. Wow, that's fascinating. But, but then for yourself, notice those compliments. Don't just say, oh. Because when people say that, they're like, wow, that was really, really good. Maybe ask a close friend or a spouse. Um, Discover it, because God has called and God has gifted you. No matter your age, Judah, thanks for showing that to us this morning. No matter your age, on the other end of the spectrum, God has called and gifted you. No matter your ability or what disability somebody might say you have, you're called and you're gifted. No matter your gender, as as we've discovered with Priscilla, you and I are all sons and daughters And we are all called and gifted by the God Most High. May we use those gifts to point people to Jesus, that they might know that Jesus is the Messiah, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word and even these small glimpses of some of these uh, so uh, important uh, disciples and apostles in the early church. We thank you for the ministry of Priscilla and Aquila for how they left Rome and and ended up in Corinth and then in Ephesus and just uh, continued to follow you and to point people to who you are, uh, to equip people like Apollos that he might use his giftedness of speech um, to to show his fellow Jewish people that you are, in fact, the Messiah. And God, we, uh, we thank you that you have called and gifted each one of us. Help us to discover that. Help us to have the courage to push into our calling and giftedness where we might be a little timid, Show us how we can use uh, the calling and giftedness you've given us uh, to follow you and to help point other people in in following you as well. God, we thank you uh, for the chance to gather in this space this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's message inspired you to dig deeper into your own relationship with Christ and apply his words to your world. If you like today's message, feel free to check out Linwood Covenant's other podcasts, including past sermons. If you're looking for something to binge beginning to end, check out First Word, our first podcast series that guides listeners through the book of Mark. You can find all of these wherever podcasts are available. You're also welcome to join us for our full worship service, which streams on YouTube every Sunday morning at 930 Central Time. We'll see you next week. And remember, come what may, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ.